we're mu- we've been much delayed. We we didn't plan to have a break, but um, we've had a break. Have you had a good couple of weeks? Well, yeah, it's been all right. I was in uh, Bogota in Colombia for a while. That's actually not what delayed the podcast either, ironically. No. Uh... Uh, what did delay the podcast? I can't even remember now. Um, none of us were really available, I think. Uh, it was, we, we, we're not mentioning any names, but <coughs> it was Tom. Unbelievable. Part-time. He's probably hobnobbing <laughs> it with some Hollywood types. Although, I, I mean, the, I, I don't think the word knob and Hollywood types really should go together anymore, should they? <laughs> Ironically, of course, it's it's because he's anything but a part-timer that we were delayed because he, he was working all the hours sent in order to uh in order to keep a roof over his head but that's why you didn't have a podcast so you know at teach sound for all your complaints yeah including any accusations of pulling a weinstein <laughs> you just won't you just were determined to plow on with references to how society's terrible under at all costs there right? uh talking of terrible manchester united's yeah. performance against chelsea i mean just the pips <laughs> Oh dear! Every, everything about it was bad. Like it was just—I mean, actually, accusations on, of Mourinho parking the bus are completely misguided because they set up to take the game to Chelsea, and for ten minutes they did, and they—it was—I mean—they retrenched a bit after the after half time, but in the first half they were they were open and attacking, and you know that that wasn't on Mourinho, but the performance level was absolutely diabolical. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, United certainly didn't pile the bus in the first half. It was actually probably too open. And, and uh, I have to say, I suspected that after half time, it would not be so open. And United were definitely a, a little more you know, consolidated um, as a unit after half time. But they offered nothing going forward at all. I mean, it's, it's really shocking that in the last, uh, I think it's something like six shots on target in the last three Premier League games. Um, we are struggling to uh, get the ball into the old onion bag, aren't we? And, and Lukaku's not having a great time. Um, uh, all the confidence in the team seems to have drained out since uh, Anfield or since Pogba was injured, a bit of both, uh, since since uh, Mourinho decided to park the bus at Anfield, which he did. Um, and, uh, and, you know, the momentum that we had before that seems to have disappeared and it just feels like a pattern now. So, um, unfortunately... Uh, United really offered nothing against Chelsea, especially in that second half, uh, but not that much more in the first half, really. Well, there was the Rashford chance early on, um, which uh, was a was a pretty good chance, and I'm not sure it was would have been smashing the XG chart or anything. Is it like a, a chance he should have scored in inverted commas? Um, I'm struggling to remember chances in the second half. Late on, uh, the game changed quite a lot. And, and for the last 10 minutes, there was, a, or maybe even the last five minutes, there was a kind of degree of urgency. I think, actually, the single worst managerial decision of the day, uh, Antonio Conte takes the honours for um, his decision to take off Fabregas and bring off Drinkwater when it just looked like a matter of time before Chelsea would get a second on the break. But they kind of surrendered momentum to United after that and and United really applied some pressure. But I don't think Mourinho did a tremendous amount wrong. If you look at the starting 11, it's pretty given the players available, that's almost the starting 11 I would have picked. I think there was a solid argument to say he should have just dropped Mkhitaryan because expecting him to find his form under these conditions, given the form he's in, seems pretty ridiculous. Um, but I didn't think any of his substitutions were terrible by any stretch of the imagination. Brought on Martial, didn't take off Rashford. Um, you know, that the, there, was, there was a kind of a fairly progressive approach right from the off, kind of maybe because I think City had won earlier that day, right, or the day before, and it was very clear both teams needed a win and both teams were kind of exchanging punches. The The knock against Mourinho, really, is just that the the average level of performance was so drastically low. Yeah. Um, so the the problem I have is that there's a pattern here that uh, United player a... You know, top team, quote unquote, uh, and the level of performance drops a lot, quite often, uh, and and uh, you know, especially away from home. <laughs> Is there a coincidence? It just happens to be that United play badly uh, when Mourinho flips around the, the formation and and uh, sometimes the approach. 
I don't know. I'm not sure there is. And I'm not sure also you can divorce this performance from Mourinho's criminal decision, cowardly criminal decision to park the bus at Anfield. You know, I, I think that sucked out so much of the momentum from United. Or maybe, maybe, you know, we had, remember, we had this debate at the beginning of the season. How good are United? Maybe we're just not that good. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, you see, in a way, my my frustration with Mourinho, it's fairly significant at the moment. It's at a fairly, a fairly high level of frustration with Mourinho. But what I'm trying not to do is fall into an easy trope of just going, I mean, because there was there were quite a few games between and, and a good amount of time between Anfield and Stamford Bridge. And there was the loss to Huddersfield, two victories over Benfica. There was a win at, against Spurs at home. You would have thought that maybe some of that momentum would have been somewhat regenerated. But, but behind but, the scenes... Yeah, but what sorry. in all of that... And sorry, I'm, I'm uh, interrupting no, you. In. But, but what in all of that, all those games? So, you know, beat Benfica twice, home and away. Uh, beat Spurs, as you said. Away win at Swansea, the defeat at Huddersfield. You know, lot, as you say, a lot of games between um, Stamford Bridge and Anfield. But what in that really showed that United had some momentum? I mean, the Spurs game afterwards we said ah you know one but wasn't that hard work and a real grind you know it's not as if that was some kind of fantasy performance by United Uh, Swansea away well Swansea away no one really cared that much about that Huddersfield horrible and Benfica twice both of them were like oof you know just about you know United actually very lucky in Benfica to get away with that one and keep it through the ball in the net for a start um and and United just didn't play that well and Benfica had a loss of control I mean, in fact they weren't that bad at, at Old Trafford either we've not talked about that one so. oh the, that poor keeper i mean cuz he did like he saved the penalty right and um so Martial is human after all and but i think i think actually Martial just felt sorry for him was trying to make the keeper feel better after what happened but um the uh, <laughs> the goal the matic shot that bounced off the post and hit the keep the back of the keeper's head and went in like, <laughs> the was so unlucky against us that one wasn't his fault though of course but still no, Clean but still, maybe, maybe the gods are saying something here. <laughs> maybe just give up now. It's not <laughs> going to yeah, happen for him. He's got a decent, I reckon he'll be all right. Lukaku was nice to him again. That's the main thing. Um, no, I think one of the biggest frustrations about Mourinho is that this has coincided with him making eyes at PSG and and the kind of beginning of the the kind of exit strategy, operation exit strategy was kind of up and running. And that seems like, you know, you mentioned the word cowardly in terms of Anfield. From the outside looking in, that looks really cowardly. Now, I have to say that because I simply could not resist the opportunity to do so, um, I checked out uh, Duncan Castles and Ian, what's his name, Ian McGarry's podcast, um, which is amazing. Like, you have to you have to check it out because you will leave it absolutely convinced that Jose Mourinho is a righteous man. Like the, 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 the kind of lucidity and clarity with which Mourinho's position was defended. But actually there was some genuinely interesting stuff. What, what Castles was saying is that Mourinho is massively frustrated by the level of bureaucracy at the club, not in terms of just the transfer market, but like everything like changes to the, training pitch they have to kind of they they Mourinho asks for them there's a really long wait before anything gets done because the Glazers don't care about the football stuff um office furniture really minor decisions this big fuss around a, a plane that was supposed to pick them up in London and the organization was wrong so Mourinho is genuinely frustrated behind the scenes now it the, the, consider the source right this comes from castles this is not measured this is clearly has a specific agenda at heart, but it's interesting to consider that actually Mourinho's frustrations with United are valid in some way. Look, if if this is apparently the job that he really wanted for years and years and was desperate to get and cried when he didn't get it, um, there's, you know, obviously 
that version of events is challenged by some people, including castles. Um, uh, yeah, but if it is that, if it's the thing he really wanted, and he gets there, and and there's some red tape and bureaucracy, uh, and and things aren't quite as fast as he wants, and he has to fill in a form in order to get a chair or something, um, and he's going to quit for that. I'm calling bullshit on that. If that's really it. You know, I think that's nonsense. So, of course, maybe that's just the circumstantial evidence he needs in order to make his case for the 25 million euros a year that PSG, uh, uh, you know, are going to pay him or whatever it is, you know. So um, he's on a fabulous amount of money at the moment. Uh, If he's fluttering his eyelids at PSG, it's not because there's some red tape. It's because there's an even more fabulous amount of money on offer elsewhere. Um, And, and look, I can't believe that... um, uh, going up through the chain of uh, the royal family in Qatar uh, is going to be any less bureaucratic. <laughs> the, um, the the kind of office furniture thing is a, a sort of side a tangent, really. But it, what I'm by the way, I'm just re- regurgitating what I listened to on someone else's podcast here. But the all right, done <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That the that the real bone of contention is that footballing matters which Mourinho is supposed to be in charge of, he's really not that in charge of, but there's no one who is. And I have to say, that is a version of United which does intuitively make a lot of sense from the outside looking Oh, sure. There, there is no director of football, so there's no one in between him and Woodward. Uh, and Woodward is, you know, his, his primary objective is to make as much money as possible. Secondary objective is to win trophies, but it's a long second. And you could see how that would be frustrating if you're a kind of born winning obsessive. Yes, but what do you think he was getting into? I mean, you know, we knew, we know what Mourinho was. Yeah. We've also had 10 years of evidence of what United is as a club. So th- there isn't much yeah. of a sporting structure um, in, in the way that most big European clubs are set up. Uh, Woodward and uh, the favoured clique of agents are that. Uh, and and apparently that's so United can move more quickly. So if you had to speculate on why United was so abysmally terrible against Chelsea, would you just say it's the confidence in the squad is completely gone since Anfield? Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a confluence of things. It's definitely not one thing. It's yes, momentum was sucked out, and therefore confidence was sucked out. This is a team that is not used to winning big games over the last few years. Not too many of them, anyway. Um, and uh, alongside the formation change, back to a back three, that has very mixed results. That back three uh, for this United side. Uh, so another, you know, another change in formation, um, uh, and uh, you know, one that United are seemingly unable to sustain. You know, there's very rare occasions where um, that sort of high pressing block with a back three has been sustained for a whole game and been successful. I mean, away at Moscow, not a very good team. They were so bad as well. They were like, they're not a very good team, but they were also just inept on that particular evening. A game against Chelsea last season. But but how many other occasions? Really? Yeah, and that, that Chelsea game was, a, a, there wasn't even really a back three, was it? There was so many kind of free-floating man markers. I mean, I do feel compelled at this point to point out the very obvious thing, which is that United have been terrible at Stamford Bridge for a decade or more. I mean, it, it, it's also there are no teams left in the no. Sorry, also there are no players left in the squad from ten years ago. Michael Carrick, right? So it it just doesn't it doesn't make any difference. I mean, yes, the United have a horrible record at Chelsea. Chelsea have also had a pretty good team in that time as well. There's plenty of teams with a horrible record. Uh, against United at Old Trafford. Um, I just don't know what relevance it has, honestly, from the results from 15 years ago. I, I guess it's just to say that we should probably keep some degree of perspective about that performance. I'm not, I don't, when I say we, I don't mean me and you. <laughs> I, think it's, I think we could probably take as read that me and you both keep some perspective about that performance. I just mean in the kind of broader picture. Um, disastrous performances at Stamford Bridge have been sort of part of part of the furniture for a long time. Uh, yeah, but so disastrous. I, I think the only context that matters is the context of right now in this season, right? And so the context we've got is that United have one win in four 
in the Premier League. They've, you know, beaten up a, a few crappy teams in cup competitions in between that. Um, and then you've got Mourinho, who's looking for his way out uh, and having a go at the fans and having a go at the players. Uh, and <laughs> it's starting to take on that aura of sort of, you know, uh, tramp who's had a few too many and fallen asleep on a park bench and probably smells a bit of piss. No, he, you looked, know? he looked good at Chelsea. I knew you were going to bring that up. I knew you were going to... I looked at the pictures again. He looked good at Chelsea. But but that hasn't been the case for much of the last two months. I mean, you know, he uh, he's, he's, he's looking like, um, you know, one has definitely flown over the cuckoo's nest. The... Uh, I, I want to cite some of the players because... It, it's not much fun to do so, but if we're going to hammer the manager for that performance, yeah, there are players that deserve absolute hammering. So, God, yeah, yeah. I mean, we can start with Mkhitaryan because he is just I mean, god awful. We, we, at the we were there at Crystal Palace, which I think was the first really terrible game that he played, and it was. Do you remember that? Like, there was one moment where there was a counter attack opening up, and he just played it behind all the, the strikers, and it was just absolutely, like, under no pressure, absolutely terrible. And seen lots of people say he's tired and he misses Pogba, and it's clearly true that he misses Pogba, but missing Pogba isn't what's kind of causing him to kind of misplace every dribble and, you know, break down counter-attack after counter-attack when actually he is on the ball in good positions. Yeah, he's, he's not getting much of the ball, though. He's getting sort of 20, 25 touches a game at the moment, which is... Just not nearly enough for a playmaker. He's also not that kind of playmaker who gets the ball um, and is the heart of the heart of the play. He's not a classic number ten like Juan Mata. He's a bursty. He's a bursty forward playing a deep lying forward. Um, and Mourinho seems to like that kind of player more because you know if Mkhitaryan isn't in the team, he's going to be Jesse mm-hmm. Lingard. Um, but that being said, like yeah, he's not getting a lot of the ball. But I mean, are we saying that he's he can only function if he gets 50 touches and so 20 of them are good because it's it's he's an absolute passenger at the moment. He's worse than a passenger. He's a massive liability. I, I tweeted, like, I was really sad about it and I got a bunch of different responses, including someone who was saying, who said, please stop destroying McTaren's confidence. I was like, I'm, it's not me. Oh, definitely, definitely not my fault that his confidence is destroyed. Um, but... Uh, who was saying like he's being asked to do way too much defensive work and it's like I kind of get that but what I'm talking about is every time he's on the ball in dangerous positions he makes the wrong decision or uh, makes the right decision and executes badly like this is time after time after time obviously he's a confidence player obviously there's a big problem with his confidence but he's something's got to give because you can't this team of all teams cannot afford to carry a passenger in it no, and and we've got one at the moment, a really big passenger. But but look, he wasn't the only person to perform badly against Chelsea, was he? I mean, it's Rashford didn't have a great game. Neither of the forwards they barely got a kick either of them. Yeah, um, I think Lukaku. The criticism Lukaku receives is absolutely ridiculous. Given given the, I mean. You, what are people expecting him to do? Like pick up the ball in his own half, beat everyone and score? Because that's yes, the only way he's yes. scoring at the moment. They are expecting that. Yeah. So, you know, the team is not helping him uh, or Rashford. And and in particular, Lukaku is a player who needs the ball into the right spaces in order to, to do what he does. And that's fine. That's the type of player he is. But, you know, also his confidence doesn't look that high, does it? Um, and and the questions will continue to be asked until he changes this. You know, he he doesn't have a great record against big teams for United or Everton, um, and and uh, the less confidence he has, the more the ball bounces off his shoes. Never, unfortunately, like, never has there been a kind of better statistic to kind of question correlation and causation than the Lukaku being bad at big teams. Because he played for Everton, who were bad against big teams. Oh sure, and Abs- was- absolutely. But it will continue to continue to be asked. You know, Ever- Everton, um, especially under Moyes, uh, but also after that as well. We're never going. I mean, maybe he didn't ever actually play for Moyes. He didn't. Probably didn't. No. No, no, no. Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> Lucky man. Um, <laughs> unlike some people at West Ham, we'll come on we'll to that. that. Yep. We'll come on to that. Yep. Um, uh, so look, uh, yeah. Look, he, he, what did they have? One season under Martinez when they did really, really well, 
And apart from that, they they were a, a team that was the sort of, you know, a, a trying to be the best of the rest. So, of course, Lukaku wasn't going to score loads against the big teams because Everton didn't uh, and were never going to be that expansive. Um, but still, it's going to be a question that's asked about him until he changes it. See, one of the crazy things about Lukaku is he's suffering from a kind of lack of confidence and his manager is on this weird kick that the crowd are on his back. And so I haven't been to a couple... There's a couple of games in a row that I haven't been to, Old Trafford, but, like, everything I've spoken to people that were there, I've, I've watched it on the telly and kind of really listened out to it, and I'm pretty sure the only time the crowd have gotten anyone's back was against Spurs at nil-nil when Mourinho took off Rashford and there was a kind of collective groaning about the fact that he took off Rashford. And Mourinho's on a fake news kick, which, like, Sky picked it up, of like, oh, the you know, Lukaku's been the subject of the boo boys at Old Trafford, and it's like... I'm pretty sure, based on first-hand evidence of watching it on telly and a load of third-hand accounts of people who were there, this is literally just not happening. So- no, no, it's, it's just made up. And and what uh, Mourinho used is the time that Rashford was subbed off for Martial and there was a groan, right? And And the groan could have been one of two things, I think, either disappointment that Rashford was going off or disappointment that Martial was coming on <laughs> for Rashford, not just coming on. You know, people want people want the, the magic triangle of Lukaku, Rashford and uh, and Martial, which we got for a time against Chelsea. Yeah, it was all right it as well. Though, it? No, it was, it was all right, though. Like, they looked like they might make something happen for the first time in that game. Like, um, Fellaini came on and within 10 minutes of his return from injury, had been yellow carded for elbowing a man in the face. Let's see, Marouane Fellaini. Do, do, do. Um, he was actually the subject of the Boo Boys, but I think he's the only player that I can think of at United. He might be the only United player that I can think of who's been booed since Ryan Giggs wasn't booed in the 2000s and everyone said he was. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, it, it kicked off a, a weird debate, I think, amongst United fans, some of whom uh, are insistent that United fans now boo regularly. And uh, it's all the day trippers' fault, of course. It's just like, it's mad. It's absolutely mad when you watch these things play out and you kind of, you just want to shake everyone and go, no, this didn't happen. Mourinho just said it's happening because it serves his interest, but it doesn't because Lukaku presumably is going to believe his manager. Why would his manager be lying about this and think, oh, maybe they are booing me. You know, it's terrible. And we've, been singling out players for bad performances I've got two left on my hit list for this game one is Phil Jones everyone knows I'm a big fan of Phil Jones I operate on the belief that Phil Jones is good but uh, he was not good in this game um, majorly at fault for the absolutely abysmal defending for the goal not the only person uh, at fault for the defending for the goal but one of the people who got in a model um, not at his best in a back three Phil Jones it's fair to say no, and Smalling wasn't great either. Not in his best in uh, any kind of backline, really. Uh, <laughs> not his best in a football team. No, I thought Eric Bailly was okay in that game. Neither of the wing backs really did much good, did they? I mean, in the second half, they were they were under pressure from Alonso and Zabacosta um, until Zabacosta didn't last the whole game, did he? But I uh, didn't think Ashley Young, re- re- renewed England international Ashley Young, no longer retired international Ashley, Ashley Young. And Valencia uh, did, didn't look like uh, that was his best game either, um, honestly. In midfield was an even bigger problem though, because, you know, Matic was all right and um, does everything very neatly. But uh, Herrera, we want to be the Herrera of last season. He's struggling to replicate that at the moment. At Hamid underscore Darwish asked us what's happened to Mickey and Herrera. Now, Herrera is the last player that I had on the hit list. Maybe my single, nah, apart from Paul Pogba, maybe my favourite player. In, nah, apart from Paul Pogba, Anthony Martial and Marcus Rashford. My fourth favourite, no, apart from Juan Mata, my fifth favourite United player at the moment. So this is not a personal thing. I love under Herrera, but he's playing absolutely garbage now I think there's a reasonable explanation for this which is he was essentially retrained in a new position last season and then has come into the side but not to play that role and is caught between two stalls has done a de- some decent defensive work but was dropped at the beginning of the season doesn't really understand his role in the squad or the team and is really shorn of confidence and so his attacking work has been absolutely abysmal now there are I mean, fans have kind of come flying out of the woodwork to Slate Herrera and there have been a kind of, you know, minority somewhat 
who believe he's been somewhat overpraised, and um, maybe that's the case. But um, there's no doubt that his attacking work at the moment is way below the level it has been out of the past at United. Sure, yeah. I mean, he, he basically got, you know, he, he, at one point in his career he was a 10, uh, and last season he was a 6 and a, an effective one, and, and then he got dropped because uh, Mourinho find a, found a shinier new player. Um, and and it's hard on him because, you know, he I have to say Herrera is not great when he comes in for one-off games. It seems that he seems to need the rhythm in order to to build confidence. Uh, but he's had a, a whole bunch of games now with Pogba out and he's not managed to build the confidence there either, you know, which is really unfortunate. So, yeah, he had a stinker. In fact, is there anyone who didn't have a stinker? Matic was OK yep. and Baye was OK and De Gea did nothing wrong. Yeah. That's it, right? Uh, yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Not good. Not good. R- real, real bad. And I have to say, I am reluctant to just be like, oh yeah, Mourinho's terrible. Mourinho's doing a terrible job. Because I think, you know, there is a... there's Not that I th- I'm like, Mourinho's brilliant. Mourinho's doing a brilliant job. I'm not voting for him to be uh, manager of the year or whatever over here. Um, but... But there's got to be some balance in the conversation when the players oh, are playing this badly. Of, of course. And I think there is on this particular podcast. Yes, you know? absolutely. <laughs> I think yeah. we offer some balance. I, I mean, I, there was a, a story in the um, Manchester Evening News the other day saying uh, he's looking for a pay rise and blah, 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 blah. And I, I think I tweeted at the time, it's hard to like someone who allows his people to brief that he's off or brief blackmail every other day. And and that's the problem. There's a context to United not playing very well, Mourinho trotting out his less than expansive football, having a go at the fans and trying to get out of the club, it seems, all coming at the same time. So it's hard to be feeling that positive about him. You know, of course, things could change around. So United playing Newcastle at the weekend. You know, let's uh, Pogba is back in training. Maybe he'll be on the bench. Will return to the standard four nil, and everyone will feel good about themselves again. And and uh, Champions League qualification is a point away, uh, and we can all sort of move on and and get over this little blip. But right now, feeling a little bit less than positive. Um, all right, let's do a bunch of rank cast questions because we have got so many, and we talked about that game for way longer than good. I was expecting, given it was a week ago. Yeah, yeah, it's like two <laughs> weeks ago, and yeah, we've done half an hour of ranting about it. But to be honest, I think this was quite tame because I was absolutely <laughs> livid in the aftermath yeah. of that. Fuming. It was very funny. It was funny. Our, the, our WhatsApp group was funny. Um, uh, interesting question from Stuart Barker. Not, not your, I want to clarify it. Not. Anyway, uh, not no relation as far as I know. Uh, we definitely miss Paul Pogba, but he's been made out to be the Messiah, although he's never really shown up in our big games. Am I wrong? First of all, Stuart, there was no need to at Paul Pogba in that. Absolutely none. Like, what Paul Pogba's like reading his tweets, going, oh, oh they're asking me, they're saying I never showed up in big games. Now he's all down. Um, he destroyed his confidence, Stuart. <laughs> destroyed. It's like when uh, Mkhitaryan listened to this podcast. More listen, more he listens to it. The worse his performances get. Um, I do think there there is a valid point to Pogba not being the Messiah. Um, I mean, I think, for example, he was brilliant in the final of the Europa League, which was the biggest game of the season by miles. And in the last twenty minutes of the League Cup, he was absolutely instrumental to us winning that. But you know, apart from those two games, he's never really shown up in the big game. So he's obviously not the Messiah. But we've just missed him so much. It's natural, but. You know, you know they say players get better and better while they're out injured if the team's playing badly. But he's Paul Pogba; he doesn't need to get any better. He's already brilliant. You know, although it. Yeah, I, I always thought the narrative about him not showing up in the big games was unfair. You know, and uh, a lot to do with like individual moments that people remember. So if he'd scored a couple of screamers in those games, I'm sure the story would have been very, very different. If he'd if he'd scored, I don't know six or seven of those. Shots that hit the post last season. People will be talking about him very differently. Um, friend of the show, Kat, says, uh, with Moyes going to West Ham, should we all spare a thought for Chicharito? Oh, God. I mean, he's just got to have woken up in the morning. Yeah, before this, we started recording, you were saying, oh, I don't really like listening to the news in the morning. Yeah. It, it, that was his worst day for a long time when he woke up and David Moyes has been appointed. Oh. Poor lad. I mean... Like, 
I know, I know, I know I'm really boring when I talk about David Moyes, but, but it's just not out of my system yet. And it's not because he didn't do a good job at Manchester United. Like, I don't have any beef with Louis van Gaal. You know what I mean? Like, I don't sit up, I don't wake up in the middle of the night and think about how terrible Louis van Gaal is. But David Moyes, like, to give David Moyes the job when your team is fighting against relegation and all kind of shorn of hope and confidence, and you're going to put a hope vacuum into that role. And all these journalists going, well, give him a chance. He was good at Everton. It's a brilliant article uh, by a Sunderland fan breaking down everything Moyes did at Sunderland that was completely unnecessary, that, that completely ruined that team. And, of course, we all saw what he did to United that was completely unnecessary, that completely ruined that team but the 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 combination of his constant deflecting of anything being his fault the weird kind of nationalistic undertones and not exactly even undertones of some of his kind of views Uh, the fact that he threatened to slap a female reporter in in a way which when you watch that is really really creepy and unpleasant honestly I've got no time for him and Golden Sullivan appointing him. If I was a West Ham fan, when Gold's coming out and going, you've got to get behind the team and get behind the manager, I'd be like, I'm just not going to go. It's disgusting giving Moyes that job and then trying to make the fans swallow it as a good thing. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, you know, British jobs are British managers. <laughs> they all, Gary, Neville, Gary Neville will be happy. They're all going on about young British coaches not giving a chance. And as Daniel Story of Football 365 has been a absolutely brilliant pains to uh, point out, the reason reason young British managers don't get a chance in the Premier League is old British managers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is Allardyce going to wind up at Everton? Um, well, I mean, just just how many signs did West Ham need to know this was just a terrible, terrible appointment? His record at Everton isn't even that good. I mean, isn't that good? It's, he, he didn't supersede their financial power. So, uh, sorry, it's just he's just not... It's just not good. It's just not good. And he's never been good and he's got worse. And uh, he was found out at a big club, his first ever big job. Um, He was found out when he went abroad because, you know, they don't like it up them in Spain, apparently. Apparently they did. Um, And they definitely didn't like him up up them in Sunderland where he absolutely ruined a horrible team, you know. So, uh, West Ham, yeah. That's two, if you can. By the way, Tom, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say right now, two yeah. is about how many games West Ham will win before the end of the season. <laughs> At Jay Bonser says, "What does Jose want for Christmas?" It was all so happy last Christmas when, after the West Brom win, he got the crowd, to, the team, to throw their shirts into the crowd. Yeah, he wants um, a hug and some Xanax. <laughs> A flat. Somebody get the man a flat so he doesn't have to live in a hotel anymore. Maybe he likes living in the Lowry. Maybe, but surely that can't be good for your emotional well-being. Um, my friend at Tom McGee says, with all the current problems at United, i.e. Pogba missing, some players playing woefully out of form and Jose being Jose, do you think Assassin's Creed Origins has rejuvenated the franchise? Yes. What a game. Sorry, bit of a bit of a tangent there. We we snuck it in between us, me and Tom did. Um, but yeah, uh, Assassin's Creed haven't got a little bit stale over the years. Uh, have, have come, they took a year off and have come back with an absolute classic, running around ancient Egypt. It's all the ra- all the rage these days. At Cali, oh by the way, shout out to James who I met at the WWE show that I went to. Um, I mentioned that because I'm talking about video games one of and then I was thinking about other things I'm not supposed to talk about on the podcast and wrestling was the main one um, at Calacala 99 says do you miss Albert Morgan do you think maybe Albert Morgan's departure hit the club harder than we expected because you know his morale has really gone downhill since he left it seems unlikely to be honest Paul. do they even wash kits anymore I believe they do, actually. I, I just don't believe it. I, I think it's just gonna it's gonna take more time and effort than to just produce a few more. You know, they they just send one matter down to the mega store. <laughs> he's not doing anything else at the moment. He's been seriously. He's on Jose. He's receiving punishment beatings for the mistake he made against Huddersfield. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I do kind of like the idea. Of they have a, like a a secret. 
you know, secret dingy room at Carrington where they beat the players. Um, I do not like that idea. At Farron MUFC says, oh, what seems to be the problem with the club right now? There seems to be something missing. There you go, Ed. You want a serious question? Get your teeth into that. Uh, I think we've said it all. Okay. We need the spirit of Moyes. That's all we need. <laughs> Loads of questions about who should be Mourinho's successor, but I wrote an article about that and I don't want to talk about it anymore because uh, th- there is no good answer. Like The only good answer that makes sense is Pochettino at the moment, right? And that's, I don't even know if he'd come. Maybe he would. In a heartbeat. Do you think so? Still Manchester United. I know, but like he's at a club where he's absolutely loved with a squad he's kind of built and not only built but like nurtured they're about to move into a absolutely like amazing top of the line stadium in which they'll be paying for for the next 10 years mm. do you think that that's i mean have they not done the deals all the deals and all that to make it manageable it's not like they've got a massive operating budget anyway is it and they're doing pretty amazingly under the circumstances no true but uh you know it's still it's still spurs and it's still Manchester United. So I think if he was offered the job, it wouldn't take very long for him to say yes at all. Okay. There are plenty of other ca- caveats about Pochettino. Still not won anything. I don't know how much that really matters, you know. Um, although Ferguson had won plenty before he joined United. Um, uh, it, it's it's given the, the nature of the Premier League, it is basically only a few clubs that can win trophies anyway. So I, d- I don't know why that's unfair. Um, you given that he also gave up on the League Cup this year. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. We'll see. Well, once Mourinho walks out to PSG, United will be putting the offer in, I assume. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll find out, I guess. I mean, it's... Uh, at Rory Murph 1 says, do you see any realistic set of circumstances unfolding that would see Jose leave before the end of this season? I mean, that'd be just complete... No, unless there's a massive meltdown. catastrophe, no. that would... Really be getting gigs back from Vietnam where he's accepted the job of director of football development somewhere. Um, apparently, I saw a headline and didn't read any further, so that might be fake news. In fact, um, it doesn't seem like a good idea, Ryan. Don't do it. At Michael underscore Gat says Mourinho isn't going anywhere. How fickle are we? Just after we won two trophies already, it's not about us being fickle. It's about him being fickle. No, this is. I mean, obviously there are a few United fans that never wanted Mourinho that are kind of gleefully waiting for him to leave um, and to kind of be proven right. But I think the vast majority of United fans would gladly have Mourinho for five years, assuming it meant he was doing well and yeah. you know all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, look if if. If all the stars are aligned in the right way, you know, just playing decent football, winning football, he's progressing. He's not having a go at the fans. He doesn't look dishevelled and like he's having a nervous breakdown. Um, and uh, and the club's on onwards and upwards. Then sure, everyone wants him here for a long time because we all want success. We know what comes with that, of course. You know, I don't think it's ever going to be. Uh, United are ever going to be playing beautiful tiki taka style football, whatever it is at City these days, um, uh, under Mourinho. But uh, it should be winning football under Jose. Uh, maybe this last month is just a blip and we'll be back on course, uh, starting with Newcastle at the weekend. Um, I know you're trying to link to getting out of questions, but we've just had so many. <laughs> no, I'm not. I was just, I was just simply saying that you know this is a chance for United to. To get back on to, to winning ways. At Red Ved Dev says, next time I'm out of work, I'm just going to go around telling potential employers how terrible a worker I am and wait for the offers to come rolling in. I mean, to be fair, I think what Moses has mostly been saying is how terrible everyone's treated him everywhere he's been, you know. To just do that, just be like, oh yeah, my last employers didn't give me long enough to learn the job. <laughs> um, I mean, whenever you, whenever you compare football to actual real life jobs... It always seems so utterly bizarre. There's just no other field of life where any of this would be acceptable, is there? What, David Moyes being appointed? No, there is no field of life in which David Moyes being appointed is acceptable. <laughs> um, at B Bishop 87 says, has Jose Stick suddenly got way more exhausting tiresome in the last few years? Or does it just seem way less amusing when he's, not, when he's your manager and not someone else's? I have to say, I thought the charm had slightly deteriorated by the time he was back at Chelsea for yeah. the second time. No, I, I think it had. I think he'd become angry, Jose. 
Um, see, the thing is, you know, during the, his first spell with Chelsea, he, as well as the ridiculous arrogance and picking fights with people all the time, he was also quite charming. Yep, there's a glint in his Funny. eye. There's not a lot of that left. It still kind of um, appears from time to time, but it disappears just as quickly and it doesn't last uh, any longer. Um, uh, some <laughs> at uh, Vlasveld says, United is the job Jose's always wanted. Do you think now he has it? It's not what he expected. He seems miserable. Um, and then he says, but you can never tell if it's all mind games. It's definitely not all mind games. There's no way he's getting credit for this being about mind games. I don't think, I think this myth that United fans have that this is the job Jose always wanted, like that is based on very scant evidence. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that's right. I mean, well, you know, to return to a theme, uh, Duncan Castles is insistent that he made a decision to go back to Chelsea, was offered the job and chose Chelsea ahead. Uh, new book uh, on um, Jurgen Klopp this week claims that, uh, just released this week, claims that he was also offered the job before Moyes uh, in 2013. I mean, who wasn't? Guardiola was, right? Fergie had dinner with him in New York. Ancelotti, Fergie says he rang Ancelotti. Your, right. your job now is to stand by our new manager because I can't find any others. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I'd, I'd like to believe the narrative that somehow United had a great big long list and just, you know, the the stars did not align and somehow all these great managers who would have jumped at the chance normally, you know, United were just a bit too late with Guardiola, Guardiola and Ancelotti and Mourinho was just going back to the club he really loves in Chelsea uh, and Klopp. Well, what did you say? The the uh, the pitch wasn't right. Okay, so United fucked that one up. That's so true. So goes the story. Um, uh, no, it's my four or five managers actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and and you know they got so desperate that they went to the only other manager that Ferguson could Ferguson Ferguson could remember, <laughs> which was uh, his old pal Moyes. Um. This is an interesting take. At underscore Taylor Ben says, are we all so gloomy all of a sudden because Jose has actually upped our standards? Barra has been extremely low the past couple of seasons. I do think um, there's some validity in that, but what I think it's more like is just we were all so relieved that United seemed to be good and all collectively so hoping that the first sign of a decent team wouldn't smash the wheels off United's season. But in fact, that's exactly what's happened. I mean, certainly speaking personally, that's that's how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it might, it might, I mean, look, I think it's uh, there's more nuance than we're just not very good, but there's uh, there's some of that too. You know, it, this is a team in progress and and uh, not progressing as rapid rapidly as we'd like. I I really hope it doesn't mean that we're going to start slipping back now. And actually, what United will be doing is fighting for fourth place. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, you know. So be it. But there's one of my main reasons for that not wanting to be the case is I can't think of anything new to say about it in this context or in the written word or anything. But anyway, um, at Matt L underscore Del Brocco. And this is a question for you, maybe. If United players were characters from Stranger Things, then who is who? I'm guessing Stranger Things. Is that in your wheelhouse? Have you watched that, Ed? It, it is, but I haven't started with the second season yet. Okay. So I, I, I won't um, get any of these references. Isn't there, there's a character called Eleven, right? That's got to be Ryan, there that's is. Got to be Ryan Giggs, presumed. Adnan Yanazai, maybe. What? Well, I don't know. I mean, Eleven has, like, you know, psychokinetic powers and can make people fly through the air um, and is able to see monsters in an other world called the Upside Down. Doesn't really sound like Ryan Giggs to me. I mean, it would kind of explain the look in Ryan Giggs's eye. Well, the thousand yard stare. <laughs> yeah, he's just seen things, man. He's seen things. <laughs> I mean, it might explain Jose Mourinho. I mean, mind games, that's mind games, isn't it? And you throw someone across the pitch. I bet he'd love to do that, wouldn't he? I've never seen this programme, so I cannot contribute beyond knowing what one of the cases is. It's there. good. You have a Netflix subscription, yeah. yeah I'd, 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 uh, I'd I don't, go for it. I don't. Yeah, doesn't look it. like my cup of tea, to be honest. Any, anything with monsters. I, I have, to, I have trouble. I got to admit, I have trouble getting through the amount of content yeah. there is in the world. Just can't do it. I don't have enough time. I did just finish American Graffiti, which was quite funny. What the film? Not graffiti. <laughs> it's about graffiti. American Vandal. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, which is a uh, is a kind of mockumentary, so it's making fun of things like making a murderer and serial. 
Um, and uh, the premise is that uh, a set of cars at a high school have been vandalised with uh, knobs, 27 of them, and uh, a student has been accused and uh, the uh, student TV station doesn't believe he did it. So that to prove his innocence. Um, it was amusing. This made me think of a Mark Maron joke, which is nowadays when people tell you about a TV show they're watching, not only have you not heard of the TV show, but not you've also not heard of the channel on which it's airing. <laughs> like yeah. um, Anyway, um, at Sporting Glasses says, why am I becoming apathetic in my support of United? Was I a glory fan through my teens? Was it the birth of my two sons? Is it my age, 36? Is it BT's fault? Is it Twitter's fault? Is it Moyes' fault? Why? All of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's an interesting question. And I do think, in a way, it's important to just let yourself have ebbs and flows. There's no right way or wrong way to do this, you know. You know we're all going to have periods where we're not, like, we're not feeling it. I was quite happy this week that United weren't on. It like felt like a free weekend, you know. Have you, have you been watching any of the international football? The, you know, the World Cup qualifiers and... All of that. I watched Friendly. like I watched three minutes of uh, the end of Republic of Ireland, Denmark. Hmm. Have you? No, I saw a little bit of that. I saw a tiny little piece of the England game, some of the Northern Ireland game. Very unlucky, actually. Northern Ireland were over two legs. Um, uh, I don't think I watched much else. England played France or something like that, don't they? This week, probably, probably will have played them by the time this comes out. Um. All right, final question. Brazil, England are playing oh, Brazil. Bra- no, yeah. I'm lying. It's Brazil. The best thing that happened yeah, on... Somewhere. Oh, I tell you what, I have seen some some of the action from international break. I've seen the video of Paul Pogba hugging all the French players and it made me so happy because, like, it's nice to see that the French squad feel about Paul Pogba the same way I do. You know, when Antoine Griezmann sees him and it's like a long-lost brother and he's, like, so relieved to see him, he's just channeling every other United fan in the world as he cuddles Paul Pogba. He did. He even said, right. I'd like a cuddle. He something. did. He said, fake on colour. It was nice. I had a, an at reply from someone saying, this is exactly what's wrong with Man United in, today. And I'm like, first of all, there's only one Man United player in the whole thing. Oh no, Martial makes a brief appearance. So, and, and it's like, nobody, nobody in the 94 or 99 squad would have uh, had coped with, put up with that. And it's like, well... It's not the problem with United. I mean, if you want to say it's a problem with society or modern football, then that's fine. Although I think friendship is not a problem. Um, so, like, uh, it's, it's just ridiculous. But it's definitely not a United-specific problem, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. We want to cut out that kind of thing. Also, uh, three United players involved because Griezmann's coming in January. <laughs> yes, of course. Having a terrible time at Atletico, isn't he? It's all manner of all manner of struggles. Get yourself to Manchester, son. It'll fix all your problems. <laughs> Create a few yeah. others, but you yeah. know. <laughs> famously basket case Manchester United, the perfect place to go. Um, anyway, hopefully we'll be a bit less basket case when we take on. Rafa Benitez is Newcastle United at Old Trafford on Saturday at half past five. Is that a fact? <laughs> it's Rafa, isn't it? Rafa's cracking up. Uh, there'll be lots of there'll be lots of anti-Rafa Benitez chants, so fans will be able to keep themselves from booing Lukaku with that. <laughs> no, I think I think I'll take a minor time out to boo Rafa Benitez. You know, in between the heckling of Lukaku. <laughs> it's what we do we destroy our own players confidence just in order to deflect from the failings of our succession of managers who aren't Fergie um, so what can we expect from Benitez's Newcastle United at Old Trafford on Saturday Ed they are not a terrible team are they Discuss. Oh no, there was a reason I asked you. I don't know. They're Newcastle, aren't they? Um, they they they've been struggling a bit uh, of late. They kind of had a uh, initially struggled a bit, then they kind of had a bit of an uptick in form. But um, but there's been been a good deal of frustration among their fans um, as they lost one nil at home to Bournemouth last weekend. The week before yeah. that, they lost one nil to Burnley, um, and the week before that, they only beat Palace one nil. And the week before that, they drew two all with Southampton away. So they're not a terrible team, but they're not a very good one either. No, but but this is a Newcastle side that's been relegated twice in the last five years. 
Yeah, so uh, and 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 has despite all the fans that turn up, you know, fifty thousand fans turning up uh, every week, has achieved precisely nothing in its hundred and something year history. So um, th- this is, you know, this is a mediocre club, uh, most often represented by a very mediocre team, sometimes a really terrible team. Um, so at the moment, mid- you know, halfway out the Premier League. Uh, with a manager who has won more trophies than Newcastle has in its entire history, um, they're doing all right. Sure, they are. They are in fact doing all right. But we certainly shouldn't be expecting um, a repeat of the Moyes era results when Newcastle came. I mean, I feel like so the Moyes we lost to Newcastle at home because that was one of those many records that he smashed. Um, then we drew nil nil on the opening day of the season when Chicharito left. Was that Van Gaal's first season? Yeah, because yeah. that was, yeah, Chicharito came on as a sub in that game, I remember. Um, and what did we, then they weren't in the Premier League last season. The, the season they were relegated, I reckon we must have beaten them, no? In that season they were, I can't remember. But anyway, we've, we've managed to not have a very good home record against them recently, but surely, surely we'll be back to 4-0 situations this weekend. Yeah, I mean, look, they've got um, uh, a lot of you know pretty mediocre players. Um, I don't know, I'm trying to trying to think who's any good. Um, uh, Mbemba in central midfield has had a decent season so far, I think. Uh, Mikel Marino, the young Spanish player, has been yeah, he's, all right. As he's well. too. He's probably long term too good for Newcastle. It's fair yeah. to say. Um, trying to think who else. Uh, I mean, everyone points to John Joe Shelby, but actually, I don't think he's been. When I've seen it, not that I make a habit of watching Newcastle every week. I don't think he's been that good. He's just not that good a player. He's just a mouthy little. <laughs> he used to play for Liverpool. What's um, that four? That's four. I think that's four. I, I think he played more times than that for Liverpool, but you know, not not too I, many more. A player um, who's a player who's done really well this season and attracted a great deal of positive um, response is uh, Jamal Lasalle, who is yeah, yeah, a good good central defender, and he's their captain yeah. in spite of the fact that he's like a very young man. So that's that's big things, and importantly for them, Matt Ritchie's been getting assists again this season, which. You know, the in Bournemouth's promotion season, Matt Ritchie was an absolute assist machine. And I'm not sure how he did last campaign for Newcastle, but I guess in the Championship, probably pretty well. Nice to see him have a, a better crack at the Premier League because uh, there's a player in there somewhere for sure. He's definitely a player. <laughs> uh, so, will United be setting up with uh, six at the back <laughs> uh, in order to make it hard for Newcastle? Um, I mean, do, do, the interesting question is, like... What on earth is he going to do with the midfield? Because if he plays Matic, Herrera, and Mkhitaryan as a as a three in midfield, it's it's definitely not going to be four 0 if that happens. Like I would I would I would perceive a likely struggle if that happens. Yeah, Matic, Mkhitaryan, and Herrera in midfield. I mean, it's the what is his go to, and it's not been working. Uh, it's also the game in which you would expect Newcastle to line up with three at the back, five at the back, um, and for them to do a Benitez, you know, Benitez the master of getting the result with a reasonably negative outlook on things. Um, And and this is one where United need to have 70% possession and take it to the opposition. So I guess, like, my dream lineup would be something like De Gea, uh, probably Blint, Jones by... Darmian, not Darmian, Valencia, um, across the back four. And then maybe maybe like a midfield three of um, McTominay, Herrera and Matic. I, when I say dream lineup, I mean with the players who presume are available. Um, but there's no chance of that happening because Fellaini would play. In fact, Fellaini's going to play, isn't he? So it's going to be maybe even Fellaini and Matic. And then up front... I'd love to see a, a four-three-three with Martial, Rashford, and Lukaku up front. So, you definitely got one player missing there. Yeah, is one matter fit? Can he come into midfield? I mean, he never does. I mean, so. I mean, if matter plays, it's going to be four-two-three-one with matter on the right, isn't it? And and then and then Martial's not going to play, and uh, everyone's going to be sad. Well, I'll be sad. Has he started with Martial and Rashford at all in the Premier League together? No, 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 definitely not because Lukaku started every game in the in the Premier League. There you so. go. Not going to happen. 
Um, so yeah, yeah uh, there there may be a change with Mkhitaryan dropping out, but it doesn't. I mean, he's been as bad as it gets, and he hasn't been dropped so far. So I'm not sure. And if he does, it's Lingard that's coming in. Um, so perhaps Lingard comes in for Mkhitaryan. Rashford starts on the left, Lukaku up front, and uh, someone else on the right. Not quite sure who that is. Yeah. So. I was just talking about, I wasn't talking about realistic lineup. I was talking about what my dream lineup would be. I guess the realistic lineup is going to be Ashley Young at left back, maybe even Smalling and Bailly, um, and then Valencia at right back. Oh, Jones is Herrera. injured, right? Oh, is he? Did he Did he get injured for England? Yeah, yeah, hobbled off. Uh, I mean, he started uh, the game with strapping. Oh. Not a good sign when you're Phil Jones. <laughs> What's wrong with us? Why are we cursed? Um, all right, so Smalling and Bailly it is. And then I, I guess Young will play at left back and Valencia will play at right back and it'll be Matic and Herrera with Mkhitaryan, Mata on the right, Rashford on the left, Lukaku up front. Um, but that does feel a little bit like, well, it should be enough for Newcastle, but it does feel a little bit like we're kind of just trying to keep do the same thing to play the players out of the rut they're in. Um, but I wonder whether something a bit more bold wouldn't wouldn't be what's called for. Well, I mean, maybe what's called for is is Newcastle at home. You know, it should be able to play yeah, yourself maybe, out yeah. of that right. And, and you know, whatever happens, we you know, sh- we talked a lot about David Moyes in this um, in this podcast. Yeah, Mourinho is not going to, and we're going to try and make it difficult. Them, it is he. <laughs> No, he he really is not. Um, the, the longest verb in the history of the English language, that <laughs> Um Yeah, I mean, and also, like, however kind of annoying things are with Mourinho, they're, they're incomparable with the way they were annoying under Moyes. The problem with Mourinho is about expectations. It's it's the sense that it feels like it could and should be so much better than it is at the moment. But like you've said a few times on the show, and I suspect you probably don't actually believe this is necessarily the case, but maybe this is all just a bit of a blip. Um, uh, we we should have another podcast with you after the Newcastle game, but just in case, immediately after that game on the Wednesday, we play FC Basel in the Champions League. You said we're a point away from qualification, but I mean, and that is technically true, but we would have to lose by really substantial margins because our goal difference is miles and miles better. We're effectively qualified. Um, do you think there's any chance he's going to play any kids in that game? I, I mean, he might start with McTominay. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think, I mean, we just haven't got the squad for uh, all-out kids, circa Fergie 1992-style thing. Mm. Um, mm. Then, yeah, I mean, so make a few changes, might make six changes, something like that. Um, and uh, it's at home. Uh, away, Basel away. Away, yeah. Away, yeah. Uh, and they're not a great side at the moment. They've definitely been better... Basel sides uh, over the last few years, so uh, it would be fair enough to make a few changes, play three at the back, nice and cautious, professional, couple of you know fluky goals, and uh, off you go. Especially since the weekend after that is Brighton at home, so, so it's like he's got a lot of options in terms of you know we've got we now we're playing Newcastle at home, Basel away, Brighton at home, Watford away. Watford have tailed off a little bit from their kind of excellent start. Um, these are four really, really winnable games to get the kind of wheels back kind on the of bus. need it as well, because yeah. actually you look at United's... Uh, I mean, need it just because need to get their uh, momentum moving again. Uh, look into December, and especially the Christmas period. It's not like it's a... I mean, there's obviously there's games against Arsenal coming up at the beginning of December, then a derby a week later. They're tough, for sure. Um, but uh, it's also like the amount of games around Christmas really, really crammed into a small period of time. Uh, I 100% guarantee if you've got the uh, Mourinho bingo that he's going to complain about it. 100%. I mean, and to be fair to him, like, it is... So between the 13th and the 1st, we play seven games... It's like it's absolutely ridiculous. The thirteenth, the seventeenth. Yeah, and 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 City have got uh, far fewer games over that period, or they're much oh, more okay. spaced out. Because we're we're playing on the thirteenth, seventeenth, twentieth, twenty third, twenty sixth, and thirtieth, and then the first. Playing on the thirtieth and the first. What? That's just ridiculous. Right, I'm going to be lining up behind Mourinho with placards agreeing with him. Down with it. 
Hey, and Matt Busby's side once played twice in 24 hours. Yeah, was the... Just just one, one small point of clarification. Was the game played at a kind of relatively similar pace then or... Or... Or dot, dot, dot? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. All action. <laughs> all action. All right, so... And they play with muddy pitches as well. After an all-action episode of the Rankcast, all that's left for us to do is predict the Newcastle scoreline. I'm going to go with a 2-0 win for Manchester United FC. Ooh, went with the full name there. Um, God, I can't possibly, can't possibly predict anything other than a 4-0 win, can I? <laughs> I really, I, I don't think we've, we're, we're going to win 4-0. No, game. I don't think confidence, confidence is there, but uh, let's, let's, let's say, a, no, okay, I'll go with 2-0 as well. And, uh, and a last minute penalty for Romelu Lukaku that he skies into the Stratford end. <laughs> and everyone boos. All right, Boo. on that note. I think we should just start there. <laughs> Romelu um, Lukaku. Yeah, that's that's what they were saying. They were saying Romelu. Um, anyway, we will be back uh, with another one of these podcasts, hopefully after the Newcastle game. If something goes wrong, it'll be after the Basel game. Uh, until then, take good care of yourselves and enjoy watching Manchester United and especially enjoy the rest of your life. Wow, you signing off permanently. That's a kind of final, <laughs> final farewell. <laughs> I kind of mean, when I say the rest of your life, I don't mean in totality. I mean all the bits of your life in the next couple of weeks or the next week, which don't involve Manchester United. That's what I'm talking about, really. (laughs) (laughs) All right, take it easy, everyone. Bye. All right, bye. The Rankcast is produced by Tom Jenkins and supported by listeners like you. Head to patreon.com slash rankcast to find out more.